The entire team at Emsolation want to acknowledge that we are gathered on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We want to recognise that we are recording and telling our stories on the stolen land of our country's first storytellers. We wish to pay our respects to all Wurundjeri elders and ancestors and to extend that respect to any First Nations peoples who listen to Emsolation. We recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's continued connection to the land and waters of this country and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be. She's a cross between Mae West, Margaret Thatcher and Little Orphan Annie. And Michael Lucas. I could also see a world where it goes very, (laughs) very wrong. This is Emsolation. Did we, like, drop acid before? (laughs) It was like that. It was incredible. You're in Emsolation. Hello there and welcome to Emsolation. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, a neurodivergent magic brain and a podcaster. And together with my best friend since I was 11, screenwriter, Mr. Michael Lucas, I bring you this podcast each Thursday. How are you? Welcome. It's lovely that you're here. What you're about to experience is, oh, a range of topics, several side quests, We talk about Madonna's latest statement. We talk about the Jonah Hill situation, the Barbie movie. Where else do we go? Oh, we went everywhere today. We're both very excited to see each other. Michael's back in London in his Kensington apartment, so that was nice. I have had a huge week. Huge. Right now it is 6.20pm Wednesday night, the 12th of July, so if you're listening Thursday morning, as so many thousands of you do. This is a freshie. I couldn't record the show yesterday because I was exhausted because I have begun a new project, one that I've been developing for six months now, and um, it's called Anomalous, and it's my podcast that I'm making around neurodivergence. And it's something that I felt really strongly about and after the press club and the impact that that had and how so many people reached out, I knew I needed to make a follow-up, but I kind of had this analysis paralysis around what that follow-up would be. And I felt like if I couldn't get it exactly right, then I couldn't start it. Classic ADHD stuff, ironically. And then I was meant to start it in March, but then all that stuff happened around me being kind of accused of faking my neurodivergence. And I just couldn't talk about that topic anymore. I just I just didn't have any confidence in my ability to do it justice and I was worried people did think I was faking and it kind of stopped in its tracks. And then the production company I, I'm working with, uh, MIK, were so gently persistent and lovely and Dylan and Amelia who are helping me with this project just stepped in and said this needs to be done and we believe in you and we believe in it and it was really overwhelming but I trusted them. So they flew in from Sydney. And what we've done this week is we recorded about seven hours worth of me just talking through my entire life and all the questions I've had since being diagnosed and all the questions I have about the way that affects my life and all the questions I have around policy and why it's so hard to get diagnosed. But also I wanted to make something that was like a roadmap for neurotypical people to listen to. Something that if you're a neurodivergent person and you're feeling misunderstood or you want to get 
yourself across in a more articulate way that you could perhaps play the neurotypical person in your life and say, here, this is me. So it's not going to come out till next year. I just have this feeling in my waters it's going to be the most important thing I ever make. I'm really passionate about it. I have not been passionate about a project like this since, well, since Rage and Rainbows. I felt like I've been blocked and I haven't really made anything. Now, obviously, I make emsolation every week, but something that I really could you know, bite off and chew and bury myself in. And I want to bring you all along on the journey. I really do. Often there's this idea that you make it a surprise and you don't tell anyone about it and it's a big secret and then the week before we do this big PR rollout. But my whole career I've always brought you along on the creative process because I want you to buy in. I want you to feel like you're a part of it because ultimately I want you to consume it and love it and share it. So here we are on uh, Wednesday the 12th of July, but it'll be Thursday the 13th of July when you're probably listening or throughout that weekend. Anomalous has started. I'm really excited about it. So that's what I've been doing. But I underestimated how talking about my trauma for, you know, seven, eight hours was going to affect me. (laughs) I was like, I'd be fan. I was not fan, but I am now. Well, that's me done. Enjoy the episode. And I'll catch you in the outro. Play the music. And Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. Michael Lucas back in his Kensington apartment after having spent what felt like 57 weeks in the Italian countryside. How are you feeling now you're back? Well, good. I mean, it did a funny thing to my brain because all of a sudden coming to Kensington felt like weirdly, this will sound so wanky, but almost like coming home. Like all my stuff was all oh. set up where I wanted. I know. It was weird. It's an interesting <laughs> thing. And I would advise to people, if you're moving to a new place, do a little weekend trip and come back. And all of a sudden you'll be like, all of a sudden this strange place sort of feels like my home for better or worse. <laughs> well, I'm so happy for you. Look, uh, Madonna has finally released a statement and saying she's on the mend, thanking her fans, but you and I do have confirmation that our show will not be going ahead when we will be in New York. That's correct. That's (laughs) correct. But you know what? I actually think this was like contained within it a little personality test that I'm happy that I passed because genuinely I'm not even kidding and this shouldn't be a surprise, but I was happier that she was alive and well, so happy that I didn't care that much, which I felt like, you know, like a worse version of myself would have been like, oh, fuck it, I know you've had septic blood poisoning or whatever you've had with your infection, but I just wouldn't by show. I didn't, I didn't really have that. I still don't really have that. No, and I also think you and I are obviously going to walk past her house quite a bit <laughs> because she's just wandering this around the streets This is the first I've heard of York. that. <laughs> oh, no, I, I know what you mean. She's out and about. And also there are, yes, you can see the um, names of the cafes near her place. Yes, don't, I did notice that. I did notice it. Of course, of course. I've written them down already. But the other thing I want to put to you is do we 
Now instead reroute to Vegas for two days so we can see Usher and or Adele. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> Nothing but the cheapest travel suggestions. Have you seen how much Adele is? Um, look, maybe. I mean, I'll look into it if we need that little <laughs> bit of extra pizzazz. Because God knows the trip isn't stacked enough. I mean, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. I'm, I'm, you know, you can, I would never say no to Adele in particular. <laughs> no. And her show's wedding now, so we need to see it. I completely loved the uh, post that Madonna did, the picture, which was filtered, but not too filtered. I felt like she judged it well. But <laughs> as you know, my favourite ever genre of Instagram post is the diva in the video tearfully saying that the show came on and she didn't give us that. She did not. I respect it. It was restrained. But and nothing mm. will ever top Gaga when there was the lightning. Nothing will top that. Or Adele, <laughs> Michelle ain't ready. But I really, this was the time for Madonna to give us her version of that genre. And she, some mm. may say she took a classier route, but I could have, I could have, well, I, I would have welcomed it. Let's just say one still could be forthcoming because if it has to be postponed again, we're going to need more than a glamorously shot Instagram photo of her staring down the barrel. I'm going to want a tearful video. I'm going to want full production, lighting gaze, possibly an interpretive dance, maybe a song. I don't know. But, uh, look, (laughs) I'm so so glad she's okay. Uh, And I do want to thank Emsolated Donna who has sent us a magazine, it, was, it came out in 1986, Fame, Australia's celebrity magazine, and on the front cover, Michael, describe the front cover. Oh, it is absolutely Madonna at her early iconic peak with heavy mm. 80s makeup, alabaster skin, mm. like it's a strong brow, it's a deep red lip, and it's the hair tied up in the sort of stocking thing that she had going in this era. Oh! And then on the inside, we've just opened up to the inside, of course, it's peak Desperately seeking Susan slash into the groove look. We've got talking the bangles. Mm-hmm. We're talking the black and white. We're talking the lower east side where Em and I will be staying. By the way, it's changed a bit <laughs> since that era. Changed just a little bit. Um, oh, you couldn't yep. have sent it to a best, best person. Better pe- people. It's it- really kind. Yeah. I'll read, you, I'll read you some of the little article they've written with all the pictures of Madonna. Madonna, she's a cross between. Now, this was interesting. She's a cross between Mae West, Margaret Thatcher and Little Orphan Annie. <laughs> that's a famous. That's a famous quote about her um, early on and it did stick for quite a while and I actually think that that was that wasn't because at least that showed how complicated a figure she was going to become and how much she would (laughs) divide people because early like really early on it's people like oh she's just like Cindy Lauper only her voice is higher like but that gets at what was coming. She can come on like Marilyn Monroe pouting and panting. She can come on like Mick Jagger jumping and gyrating. She can come on like a virgin or like a whore. Imagine being able to write that in 2023. Imagine. I know. Weirdly, I did see a review popped up. I mean, my algorithm throws up a lot of vintage Madonna articles and it was a review of her Who's That Girl tour and the reviewer dedicated so much time to assessing how many pounds she'd lost since the Like a Virgin tour. And I feel like that today you would not get away with. God. So Donna, thank you for this. She wrote us a lovely letter. Hi, Em and Michael. I've had this mag floating around with me since 1986. It makes me feel old when I realise you two would have barely been in school by then. 
Anyway, once you announced you were going to see Madonna in concert, I decided I would pass it on to you. What you do with it is entirely up to you, but I could never bring myself to throw it away for some reason. <gasps> it's so kind. I know. It's so kind. It's, it's so selfless and, and it will be framed, I suspect. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely – I was just looking around. There's so much to look at. but There's so much Madonna. I've got Madonna girly show poster. I've got all her tour books here. But also, to segue, what I'm looking at right now is my – Peaches and Cream Barbie. <laughs> I have been invited <laughs> to the Melbourne premiere. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. Yes. The theme is Barbie core pink, so I'm not sure what I'm wearing yet. Yeah. But... The reviews are starting to filter through and thank the gods above, all of them, the olds and the new, they're fantastic. The reviews are amazing. And you would have seen, Michael, I'm sure, Ryan Gosling as Ken's heartfelt ballad. Mm. He's lost in the woods. Have you seen it? Yes, of oh. course. Of course, I've seen every bit of Barbie content. Doesn't seem to matter what I do. I'm always number two. No one knows how hard I tried. And I'm not even... I'm so excited. Like, I can, I'm not even a Barbie corgay or anything like that. I mean, I had a fascination with Barbie as a small child and that was perhaps an early sign. But I cannot remember a time, except for maybe 1989 when the original Batman came out, when there was so much hype for so long and I just drank in every... I keep thinking I'll fatigue, but then they're like, nah. they're arriving at the premiere and it's like, click, 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 click. <laughs> and her commitment to being a different Barbie every time she rolls up to a premiere and the way that she stands like Barbie, she's completely method acting Barbie, which I respect. And I read some snarky articles around her supposedly being this high-powered producer and and, ex- and executive producer and director and film creator and she shouldn't be doing this because, you know, it'll lose power and she'll lose currency. And I was thinking I actually feel like it's the exact opposite because movie studios want that bank cash money and Barbie is going to clean up and I think Barbie is going to make Margot Robbie one of the most powerful people in Hollywood after this is all over. So it's been strange to see the criticism of her rocking up as Barbie and playing Barbie when, you know, I'm just like, well, what do you want her to do? Like she's all in, man. She's flat to the wall on this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's very clear from what Greta Gerwig is saying that it was a real collaboration between them as well. Like she masterminded it. And also a victory for her because people have been wanting to make this movie for ages and no one could ever quite figure out who should do it, how to do it. And from the sounds of all the early reviews, the the sort of the satirical and feminist bent which is somewhat hard to imagine in some ways, but that is that is clearly a huge part of the movie. And so for me what's going to be fascinating is to see whether there's any right-wing backlash to the movie, that they've taken one of the sacred cows, some would say one of the sacred cows of the patriarchy, mm-hmm. and they're putting this twist on it. And will, I mean, at the moment it just feels like they cannot put a foot wrong, except for that weird thing about the China Seas <laughs> that got it banned. I know, well, in, can in, you explain that to me? I know the Philippines have reinstated the movie now, but demanding they take the picture of the map out. 
Something you, like I that. didn't really understand. Yeah, well, that, that Barbie, yeah. What was it? Ch- China is very fond of producing international maps that claim more territory than <laughs> they actually should have. And, and you know, so if a movie puts up a map of the world, it's very loaded where you put, like, the divisions, the lines on the ocean and all that sort of stuff. And uh, Vietnam read the map, which apparently they've come out and said, look, it's a really cartoony map, it's not meant to be naturalistic, but they read it as observing China's um, sea borders and were not happy with it and so they're not going to show the movie. But I... <gasps> I feel like <laughs> I feel like there are already certain political risks in Barbary, just that they're taking this big commercial thing that a lot of people throughout, a lot of feminists have had real big issues with it. I don't think that they would be taking a risk with political sea borders as well. So I'm fairly sure that this was unintentional, but that's what it's about. Oh, thank you very much for that. I have read so many think pieces around why, you know, you're not a feminist if you want to see the Barbie movie and it's so problematic and she's contributed to so many eating disorders and the way women view themselves. And I remember it was really all those articles that came, if Barbie was a real woman, she wouldn't menstruate. You remember all of that was happening at a time. And I just think all of those things can be true at once. But I just want to say to every single woman and and, um, hardcore Barbie gay, it's okay to be excited about this movie and it's okay to love Barbie. And when you loved Barbie, you were an innocent kid and it was just what gave you joy and happiness. And all of those things can be true at the same time. Yes, problematic, unrealistic expectations are placed upon women and the way Barbie looks. And Barbie has evolved. They've definitely worked hard to be better but you can also still love it and not feel bad about seeing the movie. And I just, again, obviously the internet not allowing for nuance, but I I keep getting these DMs from women kind of saying, Em, is it okay that, like, is it okay that I, I want to see this movie? And I'm like, I love that A, people think I'm like the, some kind of final say on it. But B, if you think I am, yes, it is totally fine. <laughs> My Please answer would probably be, oh, look, probably not, but we all are going to anyway and we're all going to enjoy it and that's at the end of the day. But having said that, I'm fascinated because I trust Greta Gerwig. I really do. Yeah, I can't myself see, to me, I'm thrilled that they're adding in all these different Barbies, but let's make no confusion. There is one look for Barbie that we all know and there's a reason why Margot Robbie is the face of this whole shebang. We can all say that we can embrace Barbies with different sizes and everything, but Margot Robbie works in this role and we all know why apart from her <laughs> amazing acting. But we all do. We can't deny it. It probably is bad well, on some levels. But Excuse me. Skipper was very important to this brunette. I won't have you <laughs> But also maybe, maybe they're embracing that. It sounds like what they've managed to do is embrace the fact that we're all going to go for that and then put in a twist and bury the, you know, bury a different maybe. perspective in there. I think that's what they've done. But I'm fascinated to see how. Either way, it's just a fucking movie, guys. Just fucking chill out. All right? Like, it's just. It's just so much, there's so much angst around this. I, I And it's been odd because I'm embargoed. I'm not allowed to talk about it until the Wednesday. Mm. And I just like, people are already talking about it. So, and, and it's all good. I feel like if I come out, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to say what I think. I, I mean, I'm not going to wait till Wednesday. Imagine me leaving the cinema on Monday, Odie and I going, 
And, and me just going, yeah, yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk about it in a couple of days. I'm not going to say a word. Like, I'm fucking, I'm frothing. I haven't frothed It'd be interested if you thought it was bad and you come out and then be fascinating if there was any blowback to that. Because I'm sure they well, don't I mind. Sh- the people that are mostly <laughs> tweeting now, they're breaking embargo, but they're yeah. basically saying it's wonderful. So, of course, they're not going to take action against yeah. them. As you know, I have an excellent poker face and voice. So. Oh, I saw you walk out of cats. <laughs> well, the exciting thing is this premiere is at the same place that I saw Cats. So. Hallowed sacred ground. <laughs> I don't care. I, I Even though Cats was a terrible, like, dumpster fire movie, I have such a fond memory of the night with my daughters and uh, we, uh, us all just turning to each other when Idris Elba's dickless cat appeared oh, yeah. and just going, what's, what's going on? And then Taylor Swift was there and James Court and I remember the girls and I just going, did we, like, drop acid before? <laughs> what? It was like that. It was incredible. <laughs> and I just remember the dancing grasshoppers and Rebel Wilson and James Corden and just, it, yeah, that was amazing. Oh what an I experience. Thought... My mum is a cat's defender. What? She watched it. The movie? She, yes. She watched it and she goes, <laughs> I thought Judy Dench was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> And that music is good. Memory, a lovely song. <laughs> Stunning. Absolutely. Well, well, Joe gives it the seal of approval. I'll rethink it. I think I need to re-watch that. It, like, maybe, maybe we can re-watch that when we're in LA and it's legal to have some kind of gummy because I feel like that thing would be hilarious on legalised gummy. Uh, hilarious. I, I like. could also see a world where it goes very, <laughs> very wrong. <laughs> All right. In other exciting news, Britney Spears revealed today that her memoir, The Woman in Me, <laughs> will hit bookshelves on October the 24th. That's Marcella's 22nd birthday. Yeah. And she was reportedly paid 15 million US for it. Yeah. By Simon and & Schuster. And I'm just going to tell everybody from what I've read, Justin Timberlake, Jamie Lynn, Lynn and Jamie Spears should be quaking in their fucking boots. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Now, do you remember Jamie Lynn, her sister, put a book out last year? I do not remember. I did not purchase and read that book. What? Alas. What? No, I'm sorry. Well, it was the Spears girls, their titles are so earnest. So Britney's is called The Woman and Me. Which is a Shania Twain album. Can we? That's confusing. It's a Shania Twain late at 90s album in the era when Britney was around. And the photo on the front cover is from 2001. It's really confusing. The mm. photo on the front cover is her from 22 years ago. Mm. Wait, how's my maths? 23, 22, 2000, oh, I oh, the maths ain't mathin' for me today, I'll tell you. No. But what I wanted to rem- what I wanted to remind you all was what Britney said when Jamie Lynn's book came out. Oh. I just want to remind you all <laughs> the statement that she made. Where is why do I keep seeing I had it up on the screen. I was trying to one moment, everybody. Okay. Da- here we go. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Brittany has been angling to write a memoir ever since her younger sister, Jamie Lynn Spears, wrote a scathing book titled Things I Should Have Said. And this was Brittany's response when the book came out. 
I'm going to do it as Britney, okay? <clears throat> Congrats, bestseller. The nerve of you to sell a book now. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely commitment. Thank you, Melin from Steel Magnolias. I did not raise my daughter to talk to me like this. <laughs> I do sound like Melin. Here we go. <clears throat> Congrats, bestseller. The nerve of you to sell a book now and talk shit. But you're fucking lying. I wish you would take a lie detector test so all the masses of people see you're lying through your teeth about me. I wish the almighty Lord would come down and show the whole world that you're lying and making money off me. You are scum, Jamie Lynn. I mean, she was not. No. I feel like this book is going to be her no-holds-barred rebuttal to Jamie Lynn's. I know, I, and I really hope it is in her unfiltered voice. This is one instance, normally I would like the steadying hand of a, of a shadow <laughs> author. In this particular case, nah. I, want, I want emojis in this text because we all know Just... no one can, can position a very beautifully placed monkey emoji like Britney Spears or a daisy emoji. They really, I mean, it's, it's essential. We are... She has found her voice. It is unleashed, and I want to see that in print. I do. I mean, full credit to the apparently very talented dude who did Prince Harry's book, but that's not what I want here. No, no. I I want to somehow incorporate that whirling dervish dancing she does in bikini bottoms and and peasant shirts and cowboy boots. And they're like there the should be like a dog flip page of the book where you just get her around. Woo! With her mascara down her face and her hair extensions flying. Like, I just can't wait. And I just want this to be the most unhinged, ratchet, southern woman seeking revenge, shade-filled clusterfuck of all time. And I will clap. And I will, like, I will do dramatic readings. I cannot. I, I have to say, and I can't believe I'm saying this and it feels blasphemous, I'm now more excited about this than Barbara's memoirs. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Hi, gay. Oh, no, that's fair. That's fair. Mm. I mean, there's drama here. <laughs> and this is, Barbara is an inherently political sort of a creature in a way that I love. She's a careful, mm. careful person. Mm. Uh, Brittany, not so careful. <laughs> Yeah, no. Nah. I wish she had a cold at zero fucks, honestly, and that would have been perfect. Justin Timberlake is going to, he's, oh, my God, he must be so stressed. Jessica Biel must be doing, like, 50 push-ups a night. Like, I just, whew, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> push-ups a night. Well, what about, how do you think Christina Aguilera feels? I feel like. They've sorted it. That, yeah, I feel like this is just a petty pot shot at the family. And Justin, mm. I just don't think she's going to go for other people. But also Simon and Schuster, by the way, they're who published my autobiography. So I do like that Brittany and I have the same publishers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels right. And you know what? If you were to write an unhinged tell-all, woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried. The, the lawyers at Simon and Schuster are quite, in, in all seriousness, I made a joke about um, how I had a Jenny Keys for Coogee cardigan on the night I went to see John Farnham and how it had giant sheep on him and the giant sheep were just so sexy and nothing says do me John Farnham like giant sheep and <gasps> they made me take that out because they said it was inferring that John Farnham would have sex with sheep. Oh, well, it's in the podcast now. But that was something they made me take out. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of John Farnham. Yes. The doco is going... 
to air on Channel 7. And so finally mm. we meet the point. Are you going to keep running and avoiding or will you, are you able now to find a quiet space and embrace it? Yes. Yes. I obviously it closed in cinemas on the weekend and I watched it close and now it's going to be on the television July 24th, sit into my brain. I will be watching it by myself. I'm preparing. I'm going to do it. I, I'm just, I knew I couldn't do it in public because I would get too emotional and I didn't want to weep and ruin other people's experience. It was just going to be too much, all consuming. But I'm going to sit down by myself quietly. I might make Scott sit with me and hold my hand and I will finally watch the John Farnham documentary. Thank God. I promise what? you. You'll be live threading. <laughs> oh, but threads. also... The only thing is, for someone who doesn't like pop-up ads, though, have fun with 7 Plus watching that. <laughs> Maybe it'll be good for you. Maybe you'll need, like, a little breather every five minutes of a Bunnings Warehouse We're... ad to come on. <laughs> We're side-questing, side-questing. Threads, new social media platform. Mm. Zuckerberg's answer to Twitter. It's going off. The girls are throwing down. Musk is suing him for stealing of intellectual property. Mark Zuckerberg went and hired all the Twitter people that got fired, which is smart business practice, yeah. really. Yeah. Threads have started. Are you a threader? I'm a mad threader. Are you a threader? Uh, not really. I mean, I did sign up, but no, not really. No. I, I've been going through a funny thing. The death of Twitter actually was depressing for me um, and I just can't go on Twitter anymore without, like, the stuff that that site throws at me is surreal and I just, it's mm. like... I don't know why they think I'm in the market for reading the most disgusting things about Meghan Markle or trans kids or whatever, but for some reason I just get hurled that stuff. So I'm barely on there. Um, and there was a piece in that. There really was. Because I'm off Facebook essentially <laughs> mm. um, and despite the odd weird bot creating a fake version of my page, I'm not on <laughs> Facebook really and I'm, I don't shut down anything and I'm very peripherally on Instagram and there was, a, there was this piece, but now Threads has come in and it was removing a lot of the reasons for me to be off these platforms. So I'm conflicted about it. But tell you what, you dove in head first, oh. belly first, just all in. As far as I'm concerned, Threads is a dictatorship. I am the dictator. <coughs> I don't read anyone else's threads. I don't read the replies. I don't see the likes. I go there. I, I say something completely unhinged that has just come to me on the toilet and I run. That is how I treat it, like a like a smoke bomb. The do I'm sure people are coming for me. I have no idea because the algorithms are just like everybody's in at the moment. Meta have got the floodgates open and they're letting everyone see everything of everyone's. It's like an all in. We're not in our corners of the universe yet, and I'm quite aware of that. But I find it liberating because I don't care about what's coming back at me. Mm. Twitter M and Instagram M have merged because Twitter M and Instagram M are two di completely different M's. Totally. Yes. Because I, yes. Because, because the photos and the videos are somewhat something I have to think about and I can do a few versions of, but over on Twitter, I just fucking <laughs> I didn't even care. I was like, abortion rights, gay, trans rights. I was just doing all the things they say not to do at dinner parties on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically on Instagram you're essentially having some oh. sort of wild neurodivergent gay rave and then you go over to yes. Twitter and basically it's like some sort of war zone destructed city where you occasionally chuck a smoke bomb. 
And my my poor shell-shocked Instagram followers had no idea. And because Threads transfers all your Instagram followers over, these poor people who have only been seeing whimsical videos of Elio and me talking about my brain and what I'm cooking for dinner, all of a sudden they're just getting unfiltered, unhinged Twitter M. And I've had a few messages like, are you off your meds? Are you okay? <laughs> We're not used to seeing your thoughts transcribed in quite this way. <laughs> and I'm like, strap in and strap on, dickhead. This is me, unfiltered and live. But don't you so, miss, yeah, really uh, for me, it. the big downside of it is my love of Twitter was when there was a live event or indeed a TV show and everyone was watching mm. it all at once and they could all comment on it all at once and you could see the feed as it happens in real time. But Threads is so, it's not a hashtaggy place, so they don't have that mm. aspect nearly as much that I can see. And and also they go so hard on the algorithms that your feed is always curated and not time-based and it's always, and so it doesn't have that function for me. And so, yeah, I've, clearly we're using these apps in completely different ways because that's why I would be in. I would be in to like nah. follow some sort of live event. I'm just using it as this like kamikaze Baptism of fire, you're either in or in my way vibe of the people who survive my threads, they're my people. (laughs) Like this is my way. (laughs) This is your test. The community members and the fans of mine who survive threads. Yeah. We're on. I love it. I I just hope you meet mothers at the school gate going, before we go any further, I'm just going to show you my feed, have a read, come back, we'll talk. (laughs) I understand if you want to take your kid out of this school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's Extra. Haven't subscribed to Emsolation Extra yet? Here's what you've missed out on this week. Odette started a new school this year and I rolled up and standing out the front, I see a woman clutching a bit of paper. Can I tell you the relief when I saw you? Because I was so anxious about her starting at this school. What about the hug? We didn't even know each other very well. Oh my God, well. we didn't. I was hugging both of you. <laughs> Even though I know Ruby doesn't like hugging, so my oldest does not like hugging. She's got no business with it. Mm. And I'm launching myself at you it's and relief. your perfect child. You're a good hugger. She is a great child. It's a big hug. And so you and I just decided, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll introduce them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being our poor daughters, Em Rossiano and Julia Morris? Totally. <laughs> well, but do you know, the second I spotted you guys, because I guess early in our conversation, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know. And then is your daughter starting here? Yes. Where is she? Let's let's go and stand there because mm. it's a um, it's a school where it starts for year eleven and everybody's new. Everyone's and... cool. It honestly looks like the set of Euphoria. Oh, I, I keep calling it World of Piercings. It, I've never <laughs> seen more cosplay at school. They, those girls, those kids must get up at five a.m. for hair and makeup. Lucky ducks. Oh my god, they look amazing. I, I'm not joking. The fashion at our daughter's school oh, is insane. It's too cool for me. So we... oh, no, I look like. <laughs> I look like yesterday's hero. I look like I'm in a JPY clip on Sydney Harbour. That's how I'll fashion. You are not. You are so fashionable. I've seen your cowbell. I've seen your wardrobe. I've seen it. I've seen it. Don't you So the girls then, of course, of course they're going to have a lot in common. Oh, they do. They've got, well. Well, no, but we dragged Odie through. So you and I are like two hens walking through all the kids and then we find your ruby. Yes. And we're just like, here you go. Be friends. Yeah. Absolutely. Please be friends. Do you know there was another child that said to Ruby, oh, here comes your mum. Uh, of course, she's always loves being the centre of attention. What? I'll have her killed. What's her name? Do you know what I mean? How disgusting. I know. And also true. Yes. But look how well it's worked out. Uh, you noticed me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so we just left them there. Yeah. To bond. 
Absolutely. Both scarred in similar ways <laughs> by an outspoken mother. Well, I don't think outspoken. I just think... Brilliant, I think is the word you're looking for. Yes. Hardworking. Spectacular. Determined. Absolutely. Stands up for what they believe Super in. Super bright. Amazing. Yes. Always looks good. Turns up. Doesn't have jowls. No. Those photos are lies. Uh, well, somebody did tell me that. I... <laughs> Will you stop listening to assholes? I know. <laughs> Why do people keep telling me about the surgery I need? I'm like, I'm 55, love this. And also... I'm a jizz-free zone. Jizz free. So I've got to let this balloon go. Who cares? Oh, my God. For all of that and so much more, subscribe now at msalation.supercast.com. It's Emsalation Extra. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is, 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 is Emsalation. Let's move on to something really unpleasant. Everybody's talking about Jonah Hill. Yes. Um, I've got to do a harp here. Jonah Hill for me has always been like this massive douchebag who, remember the pussy posse? Do you remember that whole phase of Toby, oh, um, yeah. Wire, Jonah Hill, Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. And they literally, without any irony, called themselves the pussy posse. So that's kind of where he sat for me. And then he rebranded and he became an internet hero for a second because he was like all about body acceptance and he was clapping back Mm. at people that reported on his weight and people really got behind him for that and he spoke openly about mental health which is great in space for men obviously and so he was kind of yeah like the reformed self-aware douchebag in my eyes and whose sister was incredibly talented and and who i enjoyed yeah beanie yeah, so, and so Joni Hill's obviously hit worldwide headlines about the text he sent his ex-girlfriend Sarah Brady when they were together and Sarah released screenshots of the texts and in them Jonah, well, he was weaponizing language he'd clearly learned in therapy to control her behaviour and he was using the term boundaries to basically dictate what she did to alleviate his insecurities. Yeah, And for me, what I've noticed, and the things he was sending her was, you know, you're not to, and she, by the way, is a surfer and a model. And some of his boundaries were don't surf with men. I know. Don't put up photos of yourself in bathers. Don't hang out with women who have a questionable past or like there's all these weird demands that were saying about him. I'm so insecure with myself, I have to control you, even looking at other people because I'm not good enough for you. Like it was that kind of weird cycle. Mm. And all things aside, I have been shocked at the number of people confused by why there has been uproar and controversy about his text messages. People not getting why what he's done is really concerning and a massive red flag. Mm. Well, I had a lot of conservative people saying women should be held to these standards. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There really are quite a I few. Know. I know. And I just, in case, I first want to say if you've read all these articles and to yourself have thought, I don't really get what the big deal is, that's okay. You just need to maybe learn a bit more. I want to remind you that a boundary is a limit you set for yourself. Mm. Control is a rule that you impose on someone else to limit them. Mm. And 
there's no nice way of being controlling for those people saying, you know, his language was really gentle and he was just expressing how he would like her to behave so they can be together and it's fine. It's not fine. It's just, it's just not okay. And there is, like I just said, no gentle way of being controlling. And therapy is for self-improvement. It's not something to use against others. It gives you the tools to be a better person and how you use those tools is really what counts. So going to therapy doesn't automatically make you a better person at all. It's how you use the shit you learn. And I was really uncomfortable with that thing he made with the psychiatrist. I was. Mm, mm. Did you watch Schultz? No. Yeah. I only read I only read the main text that everyone is like spreading around. Well, people loved it. I remember watching it thinking, I don't think a mental health professional is meant to talk about themselves as much as this guy right. is. Right. Mm. And it felt it felt like a strange relationship for a therapist and a client to have. But I don't know. I've just been really surprised at people kind of looking bewildered as to why everybody's saying red flag, red flag, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And also I think when you saw them in context, it was also in the moment her responses as well that she was like, it's taken down, it's taken down. Like they'd hit a point in the relationship where she was very obsequious to all of those sort of things and there was Mm. something that was deeply unsettling about all of that. But, yeah, for me it was the fact that the word boundaries, yeah, we've gotten used to it. We've gotten used to it as something that it is good to be clear about your personal boundaries and to see it twisted on its head where you're setting restrictions on other people and putting it in that language And, yeah, it's true that he was saying, you know, i just letting you know that that's what I need. And then even saying things like, and fair, like essentially he's saying, fair enough if you don't want to do this, but I'm out. So I will withdraw my love if you don't do what I'm asking you to do in this list of things as well. Yeah, it was a real ride. (laughs) (laughs) And I, as I do, I'm trying to understand the people who are kind of going, what's the big deal? And I wonder if a lot of women especially have seen this kind of controlling behaviour laid bare in someone else's relationship. They've seen people react negatively to it. It's made them go, oh, but my relationship's like this shit. Does that mean I'm in a toxic relationship? So they've maybe lashed out against it or they've gone... Yeah, yeah. Do you know that it's that weird, uncomfortable space of maybe they've seen their relationship in what is being splashed across every tablet and every online news site in the world, they've seen their relationship reflected and the negative kind of coming towards it and then it makes them panic. I'm trying to understand. I know. And for me as well, it's also an insight into you always observe sometimes your friends get in relationships and the good relationships are the ones where your friend becomes almost more themselves or more relaxed about being themselves or more, you know, their their personality doesn't... I mean, not that people's personalities don't evolve and obviously when you get in a relationship things can change, but that when it's a good relationship you, you feel that, you know, someone loosens and when it's a bad relationship... You, you see your friend shutting down and becoming, making themselves smaller, making less of themselves. And in this particular case, like he's going after the core of her mm-hmm. profession <laughs> and the core mm-hmm. of what she loves most in the world. I mean, it's, you know, he's, he's dating an athlete and, and, and a model. And a, a, a 20, a 25 year old athlete when he was 39. Yeah. Let's not forget that part. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I did want to talk about it a little bit. Obviously, everyone, every man and his dog has had an opinion on this and I hope that if it has kind of brought something up for you that you're able to think about it and process it and maybe, you know, seek some help around that. But it is very controlling behaviour. Although I have been, it has given me some, like, when I, like I said to Scott yesterday, I need you to cook dinner in the nude. Uh, that's just my boundary and um, you need to respect <laughs> it. So I have been Having using that's my boundary in some, yeah, unhinged ways. You know, and the other thing I said on threads was, honestly, his list of boundaries was my idea of a great weekend. Absolutely. I have to say that- oh, and all of those emotionally messy women hanging out on the weekends. If, so, if I was asked to get rid of that, I don't have either a social life or a professional <laughs> life or an income, frankly. <laughs> Where are all my messy, unhinged women at? <laughs> all right, that's enough from us. Uh, the countdown is on. My suitcase, I ordered a, a new suitcase, a trunk-style suitcase that arrived yesterday. My packing cells are coming tomorrow. I thought you said a Trump-style suitcase. Sorry. No, a trunk. Just completely tripped up. A trunk-style. Yeah. What does so that mean? You, uh, it's zip in the middle, so you've got equal space at the top and the bottom. It's kind of like an old-school retro-y trunk, but it also looks like I'm going to go on, like, safari in the Amazon because it's kind of army green and orange. Okay. And then I got myself a matching on um, a backpack slash suitcase that matches that. I also got myself a crossbody bag. I've got, I bought a lock for the door in the hotels. I've got my universal charger plug-in thing arrived. My very special eye mask arrived, which blocks out all of the light, but also protects my eyelash extensions, which I'm planning on getting before I leave, just so I look done at all times. What else has arrived? Um, Oh, my pill separator box arrived. I got one of those, but then my doctor said today, don't put your pills in a separate box. Keep them in the packet with my name on them because they'll just tip them out. And I do not want them tipping out mummy's Valium or mummy's ADHD medication. So I've got notes for those. Um, what else has arrived in the mail for my trip? Oh, I've got these amazing like mister bottles for all my facial stuff because I've got to take it all in a hundred mil bottle so they don't confiscate that off me. So yeah, I'm really, I'll start packing tomorrow. I'm leaving in 40 days. So I should be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whereas my 79 year old mother is leaving uh, in a couple of days and I don't believe she started packing yet. But anyway, we all have different... And the worst thing is we're going to get there. There's never going to be more of a stark difference between the two of us because already my lack of effort and detail in day-to-day life is bad when I've got access to my full wardrobe. When I'm travelling, the bar goes lower. Um, we're going to do a best friends shopping montage the minute I land in New York. You and it's I an are going shopping. It's like <laughs> you're we're going to buy jet lagged as hell and wandering around, <laughs> trawling up and down Fifth Avenue, going, "I my eyeballs will not rest." Yeah. Remember when Grace took Annie shopping after Daddy Warbucks adopted her? In this scenario, you're Annie and I'm Grace. Okay. We got Annie. To, yeah. Like Michael's, Michael's getting fashion and I'm going to be like a fossy girl. And that, this is how I imagine the montage happening. So it's going to be great. All right. Thank you so much. I'll, uh, I'll chat to you soon. <laughs> yes, you will. Goodbye. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, that's it. That's all we have time for. Don't forget, if you want to catch all the exclusive premium Emsolation extra content, go and subscribe or check out. Just have a little sneaky peek. Go to emsolation.supercast.com. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter, which Ben sends out every week, and our Instagram, at Podcast, where you can find links to our merch. If you ordered merch, 
It should be arriving in the next few weeks. How exciting. Make sure you take photos and tag us so I can see you all in your beautiful installation hoodies. The good for her tea towels have been going off, y'all. Love that. Next time we speak, I will have seen the Barbie movie. Oh, have a wonderful weekend or week ahead, depending on when you're listening. And I will catch you all soon. Bye. Like what you heard and want more? Emsolation is a totally independent neurodivergent female-led podcast, which you can help support by subscribing to Emsolation Extra. Get exclusive bonus episodes every Tuesday, question time with Em and Michael, pre-show meetings, videos of the podcast recording, pre-sale access to live events and discount merch, a weekly newsletter and so much more. Help us by subscribing now or gift a subscription to someone you love at msolation.supercast.com or get the link via Emsolation Socials. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is recorded at Down the Hill Studios, hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas, executive produced by Benjamin Wosley, produced by M. Rossiano, edited by Ezekiel Fenn, socials by M. Rossiano, Benjamin Wosley and Marcella Rossiano-Barrow with assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts. Follow us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast and join other Emsolators at the Emsolation Group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. Please take the time to share this podcast with a friend. Give us a five-star rating and make sure you're following us on whatever podcast app you use by hitting the follow button. Thanks for listening and we can't wait to chat with you again soon. Emsolation.